we're going to explore leadership, which is a word that is sometimes it's mysterious. Sometimes people think that they understand it. I've heard the other day that there are more than 15,000 books on leadership these days in the market. Can you imagine 15,000 books talking about how to be a great leader? So Betsy, you have advised executives and leaders at various levels of the corporate and the government hierarchy. What made you choose this particular domain as a field of interest? It's a great question, Daniel. I've always been interested in leadership, but more about what is leadership? Like you were saying, 15,000 books, right? Leadership is about what gets results or what matters to you. And so from the time I was really young, I used to watch people in fascination, you know, starting from when I was in fifth grade, like what was it about my fifth grade teacher, Hugh Beaton, that just made me want to work harder and do better. And I remember in the White House, so clearly our Secretary of Treasury, Bob Rubin at the time, used to walk through the halls of the White House and people would almost bow in respect where another cabinet secretary would not elicit near the same response or opposite, like, oh yeah, right, whatever. So that is really when I was like, okay, you have all this work we want to get done to change the world, but who actually gets it done and how do they get it done? And so that's really been my interest, even though I've moved in and out of various organizations, the bottom line is like, what is it that makes one leader succeed and one leader beloved and one leader where people will go to the ends of the earth for that person and another that people won't. It's interesting that you started when you were a child, when you were a kid, looking up and saying, what is it about that person that makes others want to follow them? Yes. Whatever they say. Yeah, and be and your then, best self. Inspire you to be your best self. David, as a serial and very successful CEO, you have run several organizations, both in business, but also in the not-for-profit world of philanthropy. Over the past few years, you've done all that. What are your own experiences as a leader? And perhaps when did you start seeing yourself as a leader? Yeah, so like most people, I had the preconceived notion of what leadership is. And over time, I learned that I was wrong. In the early part of my career, I thought the leader is somebody who would stand up in front of a group of people. He's smarter than everyone. He tells everyone what to do. And they follow him and they get to the Holy Grail. What I realized over the years is that, first of all, a good leader actually knows their shortcomings and they surround themselves with people who can complement those shortcomings. And secondly, they don't necessarily have all the answers or bark the orders. They know what questions to ask and they know how to rally an organization behind the right set of answers and making sure that they're not the ultimate judge of what is the right answer. If you don't involve the people who will execute on the right answer, it will never be the right answer because there's a lot of smart people with smart answers but they never got very far because they looked behind them. There was no one that followed them simply because they, were, they did not get the people involved in deciding what's the right answer and based on that, getting them committed to deliver on the right answer. To me, leadership is, again, knowing what question to ask. It's not the same thing for everyone. I made so many mistakes trying to imitate other people that I thought, wow, this is, wow, Jack Wells, great leaders. I'm going to fire 20% of my people every year. That's not my personality. That's not my industry, by the way, like Jack Wells, the industry I'm in. So build your own path of defining what's your leadership style. And that will make sure that when you 
lead people, you'll be authentic. You will not try to repeat that what you read in a book about somebody else you admire. You create your own version of what you think a good leadership. Thank you for sharing that. So self-knowledge is really key here already. We can check that one, David. And this notion of authentic leadership, I know Betsy is very close to your heart because as you talk about balancing that, those lessons are lessons that are difficult to learn. Because when you study, uh, when you take MBA programs, et cetera, you have those models, as you say, David. Uh, Jack Welch was deemed uh, was that manager of the century for the 20th century. And yet we realize today that his style of leadership worked maybe for him and for GE at that time, but certainly is not easily or even replicated or even that's not something you should try to replicate to begin with. I have a question because the importance of leadership, you know, a lot of the leadership models, even the leadership language comes from military organization, hierarchies, you know, command control, span of authority, you know, all these things were invented basically by military commanders and Napoleon and others, and we took them in our world. And they were done mostly because of the need to control information. But in today's world, with hyper-connected world, people have instant access to information. You don't need to go up and down the hierarchy to know what you need to do. Is the role of the leader being less important these days than it was, say, 100 years or 50 years or 20 years ago, because of that connectivity between the people, so to speak, under that leader. That's, is that more you know, or less important? You know, it's interesting because I Tom Friedman wrote a really interesting article two years ago now, in April of 2020. And he, his article was basically saying in times of crisis, he says, in times of crisis like we are now, with people feeling frightened and uncertain, leadership doesn't just matter. It matters exponentially more. People are looking for leadership to, to bring clarity to these unbelievable issues, and they're barraged with information. And that's a really tricky part of leadership today. How do you lead in a world of misinformation? You know, when I was in my White House days in the mid-90s, there was an end of the news cycle at the seven o'clock news, you know, and then there was Nightline. But other than that, that's what you got your news. And 25 years later, people are just getting all this news and nobody knows what's the truth. So I think leadership's harder today, but yet it's more important because people are so starving for leadership when you look at what's going on in our world, you know, with coming out of a pandemic and Black Lives Matter and the economic crisis and the Ukraine and guns and you know, the school shootings and high suicide and all these issues. People are looking for someone to bring leadership to. And we always think, too, I think we think of leadership in highest places. Leadership is everyday leadership, like who's leading our schools. And I always say to people in my when I'm talking to audiences, how many of you think you're a leader? I'm amazed at how many people don't raise their hands. And I always say every one of you is a leader because at the very least you're leading your own life. And even if you're a stay-at-home mom, you're leading your life and your children. Even if you have an animal, you're responsible for the life of a beautiful little soul. So leadership's everywhere and people are starving for it. And I think it's gotten more important today. David, you want to chime in on that? I mean, you've been the CEO of several companies actually in information technologies, but yet you have the 30 years perspective of knowing what it is to be a leader when actually this information Uncertainty at the time was basically because of scarcity of information. And today, uncertainty comes from 
surplus of information that sometimes may, may be true or not. Is this a factor in the importance of the role of the, in your case, of the CEO, of the leader in the corporate environment? Totally. I'll start with before I was a business leader, I did serve five years in the military. And to me, the military is the same as a production line where everything is process oriented. You can bark the order. Everyone you bark the order to will follow the same action that you expect them to. There's no need for them to interpret your order. In fact, you don't want them to. They don't need to process any information. They just need to hear the order and they'll do it. And of course, the better they do it, I mean, the more efficient they are, then you are a successful manager because you have done more with a group of people that reports to you. That's true for the military. That's true for some industries that maybe still exist, manufacturing, etc. Nowadays, a lot of the work we do is virtual. It's done virtually. It's done on building things that are not well-defined. There's a conceptual idea. You hire people to take the concept and build a product. Your leadership style cannot consist of telling people what to do. It's more about guiding them in the direction of what you want them to do and letting them process the information the way they do, the way they are able to, and translate that to action that they need to take. And so if you trust your hiring process and you hire the right people, the most important part of your management style should be to take a step back after you agreed on the direction and let them go and prove to you why you hired them to begin with and come back with, here is what we came up with. Here is the wealth of information we looked into. Here is how we interpret that information. And here is how we think we should design the product or we should build that project or whatever you're working on. So to me, leadership today is absolutely crucial, but it's very, very different. If you try to manage people today, the way it was custom in the past, the way they taught me in business school 30 years ago, you're bound to fail. There's also a different generation. I mean, the people that are the age of my kids, your kids, Daniel, and I'm not sure about you, Betsy, but the point is they respond differently. They will not respond well to me if I talk to them the way I was managed by my boss or manager 30 years ago. So you have to adjust and adapt to the new reality, the new generation, the new type of positions that are available out there, the virtual nature of work, and adjust your leadership style. But it doesn't mean that you are less important. That is so true. That You could not have said it more beautifully. Before the pandemic, my clients used to ask me, what's the number one issue that you need to get your arms around as leaders? And I used to say how, you know, with this young generation coming up, what's really funny is that for a long time, it was like, oh, millennials are coming. And it's like, oh, no, no, they just turned, the oldest turned 42 this year. So, you know, they were like in their 30s in the last 10 years and managing people and handling budgets and everything like that. And how you get your arms around this new generation and their need for flexibility. There's this great article in the New York Times 2019. So right before the pandemic. It was about millennials. Can I work when I want was the title of the article. And basically today's young workers have been called lazy and entitled. Could they instead be among the first to understand the proper role of work in our lives and end up remaking work for everyone else? This generation is single-handedly paving the way for the entire workforce to do their jobs remotely and with flexibility. What's so fascinating is this is right before the pandemic. 
And so there was a lot of fear from the boomers that were in the leadership jobs. Well, if we let people work from home, they won't be doing their jobs. And so the gift of the pandemic in leadership is that, wow, we actually saw people can work from home and they can get their work done and it can be more effective when you're shaving off the commute time every day. So the world's been kind of thrown on its head. And from a leader standpoint, what's the new normal look like, right? Every Most companies are three days a week or two days a week back in the office. So that's put a whole wrench in the whole leadership and how we evolve as leaders, as you said, David, You've got to understand your constituency, your workforce, the changes as you shift your leadership role to succeed and get the results. 